You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And about this time last year, I started with the Locked On Podcast Network, and one of my first big storylines I did was called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Now celebrating it because of it's right around the exact same time, and also it's in the exact same situation where A&M is on a bye week, let's go pull up Clint Eastwood's grand old line and talk about what we've seen thus far in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly of Texas A&M football. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com rockauto.com has been serving online auto park customers for the past 20 years go visit rockauto.com and use the promo code locked on in the how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you amazing selections reliably low prices all the auto parts you will ever need rockauto.com is the place to be as always make sure you're following us on social media at mr cole thompson i am the host of the show and i love public feedback Anything you can do to help make this a quality-sounding podcast, we are on Monday through Friday, every single day a week. Make sure you follow me there at Mr. Cole Thompson and give me your feedback of what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of, or what you want to hear more of. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content found here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. So as always, we have the good, the bad, the ugly, and Texas A&M has started off pretty good. A 3-1 and record with a win over a top five opponent in Florida, even though it was a close one, is something to be proud of. Now, there are some things that you have to work on, and Jimbo Fisher brought that up in his press conference earlier this week, but again... There's a lot to like about this AM program and where it is right now. So instead of starting with the good, let's end with the good. Let's not even start with the bad. Let's just start with the ugly. And the ugly is the inconsistencies. That's pretty much the only ugly I have when talking about AM right now. You look at this AM team, and in week three against Florida, this looked like a good team. Florida is a good team. And if Florida goes nine and one this season, that's actually a very nice compliment to AM, saying that they've progressed along with them. But same time, you look at how they played against Florida. Lights out, good passing, overall quality defense, making third down conversions happen. Those are things that a good football team in the SEC needs to do. Winning on third down, winning in the trenches, putting up big plays and connecting on them for big time scores. That was a great opponent and a great game. Then you have games against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, a team that right now could go 0-10 in the SEC in a really weird, out-of-control schedule this upcoming year. And AM could have moved the ball, at least through passing. Yeah, they got a touchdown with Caleb Chapman, but it's not like it was a good game when you look at Kellen Mond. He threw for 189 yards, one touchdown. He had four turnovers, one not his fault. One was on Jalen Preston dropping that pass after he made three steps. But still, three turnovers. That's not what you want in a guy who's been your quarterback for three and a half years. Two years in a Jimbo Fisher system. The other thing you want to look at as well is the up and down of the run game. Now again, running backs in college football still matter a little bit more than they do in the NFL. 
But you have two guys in Anaya Smith and Isaiah Spiller who have shown production in multiple games. Anaya Smith showed his great lengths in Vanderbilt. He also showed it very well this past weekend against Mississippi State. And he showed it very well against Alabama. In fact, in Alabama, he was the best player on the field, not named Najee Harris, in my opinion. That's how talented of a player Anaya Smith can be. Isaiah Spiller, limited in the run game against Alabama. Decent game against Florida. Big, big, big game against Mississippi State. But consistencies do matter. And it goes everywhere for AM. It starts, of course, in the offensive line. There's been games where the AM offensive line has looked pretty solid. There's also games where Kellen Monsell is continuing to struggle. And that's just ugly. Getting wins in the SEC is dire to a team's success. But at the same time, when getting those wins, it's also important to know how to build around it. For me, it starts in the trenches. The AM defensive trenches have looked incredibly well. And we'll talk about a player in the good later who's really impressed me through these early four games. But there's that consistency level. Yeah, Jaden Peavy this past week was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Deservingly so. What about how he played against Vanderbilt? Not a good game. What about Bobby Brown, who is supposed to be the long-term replacement for Justin Matabike? He's been up and down. That's the best way to put it. DeMarvin Leal can't do it all. And neither can Michael Clemens. And neither can Tyree Johnson. The way that this team is going to be built is by playing consistent football. Jimbo Fisher brought that up in his press conference earlier this week about consistency on the offense. Consistency on the defense. Winning those turnover battles does matter. But so does playing at a level that's more comparable each and every week. Sure, you're going to have some struggle drives. That's just part of football. Yes, you're going to have a couple turnovers here and there. Part of football. Sometimes great coverage does enough to cover up those mistakes. But there's also moments where three and outs aren't going to cut it, especially when it's missed opportunities on an open target. Missed opportunities when you could have cut left, but you cut right, right into a defender. Missed opportunities where you miss a block and that leads to a sack. That leads to a turnover. That leads to a loss of yardage. Those type of consistencies are things AM needs to continue to build off of going into week five. Now, this is a big week for AM, and all that ugliness that I'm talking about could go away because for the first time since 2012, the Southwest Classic between Arkansas and AM will not be played in Jerry World. Instead, it will be played at Kyle Field on Halloween. So we already know there's going to be some spooks, there's going to be some scares, there's going to be something a little bit crazy. But how crazy would it be if the last time AM played the Razorbacks in Kyle Field? It's a blowout, 52 to 10. What if that happened again? What if that was what we saw this upcoming week? There's a couple of other ugly things, you know, just, just basics. Freshmen being freshmen. Offensive line not playing at an elite level, even though they've been together for years. All those things you can't correct, but those kind of lie more into the bad instead of the ugly. Those stats that should be enhanced but are diminished, those are ugly things that you unfortunately cannot get over. A couple other th ugly things I want to talk about is you ever have to go to an auto parts store and you have to pay a service fee for someone else to install a part that you can do yourself? That's something that's very ugly and things that you don't want to pay for. That's why I recommend to use rockauto.com. 
RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have a variety of selections from small parts to big cars to anything from models, color, size. Ross Jackson of Locked On Sayings, I know you've heard the story, but it's a great story. Had his tailgate stolen off the back of his truck. Instead of going to a Chevy or Ford dealership and have one replaced, he went to rockauto.com, found the exact same model, got it installed himself, and shipped to his house for a fraction of the price. Go visit rockauto.com and type in locked on on them. How'd you hear about section? So they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. Rockauto.com is the place to be. Guys, every single Saturday is college football. Now, whether your team is playing right now or not, there still is college football and great college football. But sometimes you feel like you're always on the go, 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 and you have to keep up with your social status, whether that be with friends, family, even social media has taken over. You never have time to just sit back and relax. That's why I recommend when you go relax and grab an ice cold beer, make sure it's an ice chilled one that's Coors Light. Now, Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport you're watching this fall, Saturdays are meant for your day to chill. That's why this is the official drink of college football. When you look at this beer, it is so ice cold and refreshing and you just want to crack open another one day in and day out. When I open up my own Coors Light, I know that I am going to a brand new place, having myself some me time and drinking a refreshing beverage cold as the Rocky Mountains. Go get Coors Light. Coors Light is one that you need to unwind. You can always have it delivered to you because it's made to chill. And if you want it delivered to you during these crazy times, go visit GetCoorsLight.com. Crack open an ice cold Coors Light this upcoming Saturday. Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up for your fantasy football season. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. So the ugly was, you know, it's inconsistent play for AM right now. You've seen them play like a top 10 team in the country. You've also seen them play like a top 30 minor league team in the country. They're not that good. When they're bad, they're bad. When they're good, they're good. So let's just talk about the bad. The biggest bad, of course, has got to be Kellen Mond. I hate to be that guy. I hate to harp down on it. I hate to be one of these people who continues to bring up something from the past. And there's nothing that you can really do to change it. But you can still talk about it. Kellen Mond, in two games this past season, has thrown for over 30 times. He's also completed less than 200 yards. You don't see that that often. Especially in an offense that's meant to be built around young talent. Kalamon is a young quarterback who's been in a system for two and a half years and understands exactly what Jimbo Fisher's looking for. I've given him the excuse of losing to Mon Osmond. He also lost Kendrick Rogers. He lost Courtney Davis. He's never really had a tight end outside of Jay Sternberger. Jalen Weidemeyer last year was effective in the red zone. He's coming on a lot stronger this year, but he's never really had another go-to weapon outside of that. Excuses kind of run out after a while. It's no offense to him, but 
same time, maybe we just now know who Kellen Mond is. He's a guy who is a game manager. He's a guy who's going to get the ball rolling, probably end in a few three and out drives, trust the run game, and then every once in a while go for that deep shot. That big 50-yard touchdown to Chase Lane, that's proof that you can have big-time plays from an average quarterback. It's also proof that those big-time plays come once or twice a game. you got to capitalize. You have to find the end zone on them. You have to be able to figure out how to win in those moments. You're not going to get them that often. You're going to get them maybe three or four times a game. Build off of them. Another thing that really worries me, offensive line. Like I said, it's inconsistent. And this is a unit that returns for the five starters. The only one that left was Colton Prater, and you replaced him with a guy in Ryan McCollum who's been in the system as a rotational player at multiple positions for the last three years. So it's not like he's a brand new guy just coming in, kind of like Prater was, even though he did play snaps at guard when Eric McCoy was uh, was under center. You have a guy who's in the system. They're still allowing too much pressure. They're still allowing defensive backs to come in, make plays off the edge, and stop the run. Those are things that you should start to see. A&M right now on offense is still averaging under 10 yards per play when it comes to passing game. Part of that is due to Mond. Part of that is due to pressure. You have to kind of meet somewhere in the middle. If you can find that middle ground, it really builds for something in the in the positive light in the future. Those are things that after two years of working in a system, two years of working alongside your players, I mean, Jared Hawker and Chad Green have been next to each other in practices for years. You can't see, hey, you got to go get the pulling pulling linebacker. You have to go take this defensive end. You get the nine technique. It's singles. It's single blocking. Hey, I'm coming down to double team the edge. Make sure you get his outside shoulder because I don't want to miss and then have him or the defensive lineman or a linebacker come sweeping in through the A uh, B gap and make sure that now I'm screwed. Things like that become problems. And unfortunately, it still is a lingering issue at this point. Now, A&M did go out and get four new recruits last recruiting season. They could be the future of the organization. Now, again, they also had five offensive linemen in the 2019 class, and Kenyon Green, who's now moved from right guard to left guard, is actually still producing at a quality level. He's probably their best offensive lineman this year. But you still want to see a little bit more consistency. Finally, defensive backs. Yes, Leon O'Neal, and yes, Damani Richardson are playing well. I have to give him a lot of credit. Richardson's doing a great job playing that rover kind of role. O'Neal's doing a good job in coverage. Uh, you know, I've actually been very impressed with what I've seen from Richardson in man coverage more than anything else. I think he's severely improved in that area from year one to year two. The secondary on the outside still has some problems. Miles Jones is another guy who is six foot four, been a starter for two years. Should be playing like it, especially when he's playing in against teams such as I'd say Alabama. Yeah, they still have Devonta Smith. They still have Jalen uh, Waddle. Why is John Mechie, the freshman, blowing you away? Now, don't get me wrong. Jalen Jones on the other side 
He is a freshman. He is taking time to learn. Each game, I've seen him get progressively better, which is a positive, which is a good thing. But man, you put him and John Mechie against each other, Mechie wins that battle 9 out of 10. Those are growing pains. Those are just things he has to develop. Finally, again, it's that true number one wide receiver. Kind of mentioned it earlier. You look at A&M, they lost all three of their key wide receivers last year. Anaya Smith moved into the backfield as a true running back. And Cameron Buckley, the only guy who really saw more than just snaps with the second team, he's out for the year with a torn ACL. All those things do factor in to what we've seen when you're trying to get a true number one. The Aggies look to have one in Caleb Chapman. He's out for the year after injuring his ankle. They don't have a secondary quality tight end. Ryan Rennick is very good as a blocker. You don't have a secondary pass catcher. Yeah, he has a touchdown, red zone touchdown. That's where mismatches kind of play in your favor. That's what Jimbo Fisher knows very well about playing with mismatches. Weidemeyer is your only tight end. And he's also slowly being your true number one target. Now, I like what Chase Lane has done. He stepped up immensely in Starkville. Maybe he will build off this against the likes of Arkansas when they play host on Halloween. But somebody's got to step up as that true number one. When I see that, that's a positive sign. Let's just talk positives real fast. What is the good of AM through their first four games? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking it down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast. Got more drivers who talking all things Texas AM. Guys, make sure you're following the podcast online on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson at, uh, at Locked On Aggies. Make sure you're also subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, and listen live every single day. Every single day is a 12th Man Aggies podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Let's talk about the good. Let's end on a positive note. Let's just start with this number one. They beat a top five team. Jimbo Fisher has been in College Station for two years. He has not beaten a top five team. And the only SEC team that was ranked in the top 12, they had to go to a seven overtime shootout, where at the end, the team that's less tired won it all. That's how they won that game. So I give a lot of credit to Jimbo Fisher, getting a big-time win over Dan Mullen, a guy who's been to two New Year's Six Bowls and has less than double-digit losses to this point at Gainesville, was hired at the same time as you, and is making significantly less money than you, to get that win shows that you're taking the program in a proper direction. Then you get another win. Wasn't a great, great win, but it still was a win over Mike Leach of Mississippi State. That air raid offense that everyone was talking about. Was it going to work? Was it not going to work in the SEC? It worked week one. It worked immensely week one against LSU. Since then, it has not worked, and the team's one and three. I think also, you played it kind of close early in the Alabama game. So what Fisher's doing is he's catching on to Saban. I don't know if he ever will beat Saban, because Saban maybe only has two, three years left. And depending on what Haynes King, Zach Calzada, or if they go a different direction a quarterback does, that's really also going to decide if AM can get that win. But Saban is susceptible. Look at what happened in that Ole Miss game against Lane Kiffin. Kiffin had him down to the wire until the final 15 minutes, and then Alabama just started running away with it. That's kind of how it happened. That's exactly what happened. And Saban's now 22-0 against all former assistants. 
and likely going to be 23 after this weekend when he faces Tessie and Jamie Pruitt. I do like that there's young youth stepping up immensely to build for 2021. DeMarvin Leal might be the most versatile defensive lineman in the SEC. You can play him as a five-tech. You can play him as a wide nine. You can play him in a three-tech. You can play him off the edge. You can have him bull rush. You can have him play even a little bit in coverage. He has an interception on the year. Don't get me wrong. It was off of a bounced off pass, but he still has an interception on the year. Versatility in the SEC gets you so far. Jalen Jones, I mentioned it earlier, each week stepped up a little bit more. Andre White Jr., in a limited role, has played okay. This will be for him to take over for Buddy Johnson next season and for Aaron Hansford when he also leaves. I like that Chase Lane has stepped up. I like that Jalen Preston has stepped up. I like that Jalen Weidemeyer is building himself in the reputation as probably the number two tight end in the SEC. And Kyle Pitts is gone next year, so guess who jumps up to number one? Quarterback is going to be a concern, but if Zach Calzada or Haynes King is the answer, this is going to be a team that has the pieces on the defense, specifically the defensive line, with Leal, McKinley Jackson, with, I think, even Fadil Dix, who hasn't played that much this year. Danelle Harris. Linebackers, Antonio Doyle. Linebacker, uh, Edron Cooper. You still have Andre White Jr., who's going to be now the leader of that linebacking core. You have young cornerbacks who haven't played, like Joshua Moten. You're still going to have Devin Morris play your nickel position. Damani Richardson's going to be that veteran guy. Offensively, you're going to have Jalen Preston. You're going to have Cam Brown. You're going to have... Uh, you're going to have Caleb Chapman back. You're going to have Demon Demas now playing. Devon Shane. They're all going to be effective. So if that quarterback position is good, you're going to have possibly the best offense and a top three defense in the SEC next season. So when you get those non-conference games out of the way, you should be a perfect 4-0. Then after that is what really decides it. Can you go 11-1? Can you go 10-2? Can you put yourself in a position to be a New Year's Six contender? Ultimately, though, the best thing about the saying down team is they're starting to listen to me. What do I mean by that? I mean, sometimes your quarterback is just good enough to get the job done. But when you have a run game that's very effective, you're going to be able to do a little bit more. And AM has that in two guys with Anaya Smith and Isaiah Spiller. Spiller right now ranks number two in the SEC behind Najee Harris, who's looking to be a big-time frontrunner for the Heisman Trophy if there is one at running back. He's had 6.27 yards per carry, 430 yards on the season, a long run of 57 yards and four touchdowns. Anaya Smith, meanwhile, as both a running back and as a wide receiver, has over 350 yards of total offense, and he has two touchdowns on the year. Yeah, two touchdowns on the year. He's averaging 5.71 yards per carry. AM in the last in two games this year have rushed for over 150 yards with these two players. I know a lot of people are turning away from the run game because the passing is everything nowadays, but running the ball can get you places and it can really take you to a higher level if you think about it. If you win the run battle, you have a better shot of at least setting yourself up to win. They have a good kicking game in Seth Small. 
All you got to do is punch it in to the 20 yard line, let him make a chip shot. That's three points. People forget that three points could be the difference maker, especially in close games. Setting yourself up with a big time run could set you up for a game winning field goal. Talking about you, Florida. AM has all these pieces here to be very successful. And I think there's a very good shot that they go 9 1 this year. You look at games they have ahead. Arkansas has problems still, even though they're 2 and 2. Auburn has immense problems on both sides of the ball, specifically under center with Bo Nix. They're 2 and 2. You have and they could really be 1 and 3. You have one of the best 1 and 3 teams I've ever seen in Ole Miss who still is 1 and 3. You got them. You have a South Carolina team that has the pieces to be very good, but if Colin Hill, their quarterback is mundane, mediocre, you are really relying on the run game and Kevin Harris to step up. And you have a game against the likes of LSU, who right now is in so much shambles. Thank God they won the national title last year, because I'm not sure you're going to see it again. A&M has the pieces to be successful. Maybe it's not all the way in 2020 for them to be a national title contender, but they're ranked number seven, and a win against Arkansas likely keeps them there. In the top 10. A win against South Carolina keeps you in the top 10. A win all the way through eventually gets you right into that position of pinching on top five. And remember, top four teams go to the college football playoff. The college football playoff dream is not out for AM just yet. They continue to run the ball the way that they are. Players continue to develop. And you have enough competence in Kellen Mond to drive the ball and capitalize on big plays. 9-1 is a very good possibility. And more importantly, it's more likely that the loser of the SEC championship is immediately out of conversation for the college football playoff. AM sitting at five right before that. Maybe they move up to four. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Tomorrow, we'll be talking about my top five Aggies at this midway point. Who has really impressed? Who are players that are looking to be bigger names after their Aggie careers? And also... I want to talk a little bit about Ryan Tannehill, kind of the forgotten name of College Station. Well, if you ask me, it's a two-man race for the MVP, and Ryan Tannehill is pulling up the rear on Russell Wilson as the next great MVP quarterback in the NFL. We'll see you tomorrow, and remember, you give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.